This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Good show coming up for you here. Why wouldn't it be? Because everybody here keeps winning. It's a win- it's a winning town right now. Timberwolves win their opener. I'll get to that in just a minute in a, an impressive fashion. Minnesota United rallies for a improbable, I would say, 3-2 win and very important 3-2 win over Philadelphia at Allianz Field on Wednesday night. I'll get to that a little bit later in the show as well. Guys, Minnesota United has won their last two. The Wolves won their opener. Wild 3-0 and uh, since the start of the season. Vikings 2-0 and in their last uh, in their last uh, set of games. So, what, 3-0, 2-0, 2-0, 1-0 in those major teams that are playing right now. That's 8-0, you guys. It's not getting much better than that uh, around here. Also, we'll have Cam Talbot, wild goalie, who has backstopped all three of those games. He'll be on the show for an extended interview in just a little while here as well. Really enjoyed catching up with Cam Talbot, hearing kind of his reaction to the 6-5 win the other night. And uh, maybe a little bit, and, and some more depth into you know the position he plays, why he came here, and what he likes about this team. So look forward to that in just a little bit. But first, what did I miss? Got to start with the Timberwolves. Like I said, we'll get to the Loons a little bit later in the show. But the Wolves opened their entire season at home Wednesday against the Rockets, and I don't think it could have gone much better than it did. Wolves end up winning 124-106. You know, what we think of as the big three for this team, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, not necessarily in that order, and uh, probably uh, definitely not necessarily in that order because I think Ant is uh, at least a 1A now to Towns, if not a, uh, you know, something in that uh, in that nature. But uh Ant scores 29 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, makes 6 out of 12 three-pointers. Carl Anthony Towns, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. They both did that in fairly limited minutes because it was a rout. Edwards played just 31, Towns just 29, able to save those guys a little bit. D'Angelo Russell, 22 points, made 4 of his 8 three-pointers, had 7 assists. Other guys in the starting lineup, Josh Akogi and Jaden McDaniel, set a defensive tone, which I'll get to here in a little bit as well. Like I said, Wolves only gave up 106. Now, the Rockets are terrible. They, they are a very bad team. They might end up being the worst team in the NBA this year. So you got to consider that when you consider the Wolves' performance. That said, the Rockets were terrible last year, and the Wolves had problems with them. The Wolves had a problem last year putting away bad teams. They had a problem with, you know, enjoying success, um, you know, getting up in a game and then letting a team back in, things like that, or winning a game and not being able to follow that up with a good performance. Now, the latter part of that we'll find out about next when they play the Pelicans a couple times. Pelicans without Zion Williamson looking like they're going to struggle early on. They just got smoked by the 76ers in their opener. So, you know, want to see how the Wolves respond when they play again next. But within this context of this game, they put the game away. It was a 35-point lead at a certain point in the fourth quarter. Never got close again. Final margin ends up being 18, but that was not uh, not the result of any real slide, just a result of you know the, the end of the bench playing those final few minutes. They, they had control of the game pretty much from maybe the middle of the second quarter on. Um, and even before that, they really seemed like they weren't going to lose this game. Defense is the big story here, of course, though. Like we, like we said at the jump, the Wolves managed to, to 
basically dominate this game defensively. You know, the rebounding was pretty good. 18 steals, 13 block shots. Naz Reed off the bench had three blocks. Um, Jaden McDaniels had three blocks. Kogi had two blocks. Towns had two. Uh, even Malik Beasley had a couple off the bench as well. So the steals, the active hands, you know, being in position to do that, it, that's important. And here's a here's a couple of uh, post-game comments about the defense. Here's one from head coach Chris Finch. I mean, of course, we made mistakes in the game, of thousands of mistakes, but uh, they were all mistakes out of great effort. And there was hardly any mistakes made out of laziness or trying to shortcut. So we'll live with those, um, and then we'll try to – clean them up and get better. But we, we've told our guys to like fly to the ball, just keep flying to the ball, you know, and make them make one more play. You know, some nights it's going to probably hurt us, but most nights I think you'll be able to carry us. You know, if you're getting kind of into the, into the weeds on defense, uh, like Chris, Chris Hine and I talked about on Wednesday show, they're, they're doing some things differently stylistically on defense. You know, Carl Anthony Towns is going to be maybe out on the perimeter a little bit more on on screens kind of you know watching the watching the ball handler instead of just dropping into dropping down and you know trying to protect the rim things like that and he's he's pretty active out there that might be a good spot for him and, you know and, but really Finch is just saying fly to the ball be active let instincts take over a little bit more than you know trying to worry too much about schemes or where you're supposed to be and I think he's right. It's gonna. It's not gonna work every night against you know some better teams that that might be. They might be able to exploit them. They might be able to make that extra pass, get a lot of open shots, especially threes. So we're gonna have to watch that as the year goes on. But against the Rockets in that first game, it certainly looked really good. Anthony Edwards sure thought so. Here was Ant on the defense as well. Um, uh, Josh Kogi, man, he he brings a different type of uh, defensive intensity, defensive mindset to the game just him being locked in, it makes everybody else locked in because we got to help him. And if we do that, then, you know, we're a great team all around. If shots not falling, you got to defend to, you know what I'm saying, generate a transition and then shots maybe start falling. But other than that, like I said, man, J.O. starts the defense for us and we just feed off of that. Here's the thing. Listen, last year when the Wolves were bad, they got better in the second half of the year, but let's face it, that was not a, that was not a good team. They won 23 games. They lost 49. That was not a good team, and a lot of it was the defense. They, uh, you know, here's the thing: 124 points, which is what they scored uh, in the opener. That should be enough most nights, even in the uh, higher scoring NBA these days. That should be enough to win you games. Guess what the Wolves' record was last season when they scored at least 124 points? It was five and seven. They were a losing team when they scored that many points. That shows you the value of defense. Now, conversely. Guess what their record was when they allowed 106 or fewer, 12 and four. So you know it's a big gap, it's a big margin. You should you know you should expect 106 maybe gets you a little bit better record than 124 scoring, but you shouldn't expect that you're having a losing record when you score that many points. That shows you how bad the defense was last year and how important it's going to be going forward. And that's what I'm going to be watching the most when they play again against New Orleans in just a few days here. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Really happy to be joined on Daily Delivery today by Cam Talbot, Wild Goaltender. 
Had a really good year last year is off to a three and O start this year, along with the wild um, cam. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Really excited to, uh, to talk to you. Haven't had a chance to do that yet. I've had a number of wild players on last season, but you are our uh, first daily delivery wild guest of the year. I guess Bill Guerin was on a couple weeks ago. Maybe he counts. Uh, he counts too. <laughs> but um, cam, I got to admit, I talked about this on Wednesday's show. I I wasn't at the home opener, but, um, I was, I was watching it. I was curious about it. I gave up, I gave up on it. I, uh, when that empty net goal went in, I just assumed that was it, um, changed it over to, I think opening of the NBA, maybe it was the MLB playoffs, a lot of sports going on. Um, and then I, you know, an hour later, I see that you guys won. So maybe just talk me through a game like that. Um, is easy to give up on from a number of standpoints. Um, maybe we can start with the resiliency of the team to come back a number of times, including, you know, getting that, you know, having that goal overturned and winning in overtime. Yeah, I think, first of all, I think a lot of people gave up on that game, except for our two video guys. You got to give them a ton of credit, Jonas and TJ. I mean, no one really thinks to look at, you know, an offside on an empty net goal, but thankfully they did and got that overturned and gave us a, um, you know, second chance there. And you could see people after it got overturned running back into their back into their seats. People were leaving. It was like half empty at one point. Then you see it, it got pretty full again by the time overtime started. So I think people realized what was going on after that and uh, probably heard the celebration once Ecker buried the, the tying goal and people started funneling back into their seats for overtime. So it was it was a, a pretty entertaining game, like you said, but um, yeah, just the resiliency of our group and, you know, we won a couple tight games on the road, but to know that, you know, we can come home, uh, it doesn't matter for, you know, down a goal or two that we have that resilient, that resiliency and that character in our room that, you know, we, we saw it at the end of last year where we, there's just no quit in our room. And it's nice to see that it carried over into this year. What's a game like that? Like on, you know, the bench, especially, you know, you're, you're off for an extra attacker at the moment that the goal goes in. You you're probably in your mind thinking, you oh, know, it's what was it like a minute 16 left, something like that, like two goal deficit at that point. If that stands, that's it's not like the game is officially over. But like when you get that reprieve and you end up winning a game like that, what's what's the moment like for, you know, when you get to the locker room? What's the what's the moment like when, you know, you actually win a game like that? I mean, just pure elation. I think you can see all the guys in, in the room on the ice when Ecker buries the overtime goal too. And um, I never, I mean, it's my first home game with fans and stuff like that with that many fans. So um, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. And obviously we feed off them. So the louder they get, the more excited we get. So um, you can see from the reaction on the bench, how exciting, how excited everybody was. And once we got back to the dressing room, it really didn't die down. We, you know, it, we knew that was a big one and you want to come out and establish home ice advantage early in the season and to, to come back like that in our home opener in front of our uh, front of a packed house again was pretty special. Seemed like there was uh, some pent up <clears throat> aggression between uh, two teams that didn't get to play each other last year and that had established a pretty good rivalry. That first period was something else and it didn't let up a whole lot. Uh, did, did, was that, did you maybe expect that or does, is every game kind of take on a life of its own and just becomes what it's going to become. You know, I have heard about the rivalry. It's my first taste of it in person. Right. And, you know, like you said, it's, it had been, a, it had been a while, but um, obviously there was no love lost between these two teams and they, 
almost two years since they played each other last. So um, it's good to see that these rivalries are still alive and, and well in the NHL because that's, it just makes it that much more exciting for us to get up for a game and makes it that much more exciting for the fans to, to be in the stands and, and want to come to games like that. So it's nice to see that uh, that wasn't lost on anybody and, you know, give both teams credit. It was a, a physical matchup and neither team wanted to give an inch. So it was a, an entertaining game all around. Felino scored a goal that helped you guys get back, you know, within five, four, I believe before that he had a fight and was, was that a jump punch? What did he, did, did you have a good look at that? Cause I was watching, I was like, what did he just do exactly at the start of that thing? Did yeah. you guys talk to him about that? Oh yeah. We know. I think everyone gave him a little bit of crap for that, but I mean, that, that was, you don't see that too often. I think the last time I've we saw never that seen was it. probably I've never seen it. I think I remember Kevin Bieksa doing it years ago and that was, he made some good contact back then. I I think Moose might have missed him last night, but I mean, you got to give him, you know, a 10 out of 10 for, um, you know, for the effort there. But uh, I think it's called a Superman punch or something like that. Tough to do on skates, but I mean, he made it look pretty easy. Just, you know, he just missed by uh, about about half an inch. So I think Dylan got lucky on that one. Um, Now you guys are back to, you know, regular, schedule this season you know i want to ask you a little bit about just the strangeness of last year in a little bit but we're trying to put that in the rearview mirror like what as you think about an 82 game schedule again you've had years where you played 70 plus games if i'm not mistaken like as a goalie as you think about ideal workload as you think about mental versus physical grind like what is it that helps you be kind of at the top of your game and 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 how do you think about you know what's best for your peak performance uh, for me at this point in my career, it's all about, um, you know, just taking care of my body, measuring workload, um, on and off the ice. Uh, and that, that goes with, uh, coaching staff and stuff like that too. They're very conscious of, I mean, especially last year, like how tight the games were a lot of back-to-backs and stuff like that. There wasn't a lot of practice time. So, um, thankfully all of our coaches played at, at the NHL level or at the highest level. And, um, know that they kind of get it they get like when the season turns into a grind that guys you know don't need to practice that much it's just more wear and tear on your body and the games are what what really matters so give them a lot of credit so I think that's you know going to be crucial this year you know it's it's an 82 game season but there's the all-star into the Olympic break so it's still pretty condensed um you know a lot of back-to-backs playing every other day so um you know for me it's just trying to stay in a rhythm and, and play as much as I possibly can and, and keep that performance at a high level. And, you know, if I do need a break, just being honest with myself and with the coaching staff and, and uh, you know, every time capital has been in there, he, he gives us a chance to win every night too. So um, I think it's nice when you have that one, two punch and that's what every team needs now. I mean, there's not really a guy that plays 70 games anymore. It's that one, a one B kind of thing. And that's what, uh, you know, usually takes teams, uh, you know, to the playoffs and then get some deep. You before the segment started, we were just kind of chatting, and I wasn't necessarily going to bring this up, but you said um, Tuesday's opener wasn't necessarily a goalie battle. Uh, you gave up five. You did make a big stop in overtime right before the Eck goal. Probably made you feel pretty good. I mean, but when you're involved in a game like that, where maybe you know they they're picking some corners, things like that, maybe you're not seeing the puck perfectly. Whatever the case is, how do you try to? how do you try to move past that, whether it's within the game or in the next game? Because I imagine a goalie's got to have the shortest memory pretty much of, of anybody, maybe outside of an NFL kicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. As soon as that, as soon as that goal goes in, you can't really overanalyze it. You just have to be ready to stop the next one. So 
um, that's what I try to do. And um, the other night was, you know, a bit of a, a battle. There's some tough bounces both ways. I mean, we got some lucky ones off of bodies and off of skates and stuff like that too. So it's not like it was just going against us, but sometimes those are the, the weirdest ones to weirdest ones and hardest ones to play as a goaltender. Pucks just seem to be going off of everything and you never know where it's going to land. And um, just like I said, let it go, focus on the next one because that next save could be huge. And, you know, I was able to make a, a few stops in overtime before we were able to, to finally come back with the winner. And, um, you know, you just got to make one more save than the other guy at the other end. So um, that's, that was my mindset the other night and uh, give our guys a lot of credit. I mean, when we were down two, we, we have that belief that, you know, we're not out of this game until the final buzzer goes. And you can tell that we, we brought that last area a couple nights ago and, you know, it's just, it's great to see. And again, in overtime, I was just trying to give us that chance to, to bear down and find that winner. Let's go back to you signing here, you know, a little over a year ago, really solidifying a position that, you know, Devin Dubnik had been playing and, you know, maybe they're looking to move on. You come in and along with Kapokakin and really lock down the position last year. And, and, you know, maybe a Kirill Kaprizov got a lot of the headlines this last year and, and rightfully so, but the goaltending was a big reason that, that this was maybe a more successful year last year than some of us had, had anticipated. What made Minnesota the right fit for you? I mean, first of all, you just look at the defense in front of you. I mean, you, you couldn't find a better top six and, uh, for a goaltender coming into free agency and stuff like that. So, I mean, playing behind a group like that just kind of seemed like a no-brainer. It makes my job a heck of a lot easier. And if I can go out there and, and control my rebounds and and uh, put pucks in good spots and make their job easier, it's just, uh, you know, it's better on everybody. But just Minnesota as a whole um, has always been a tough team to play against. Their structure is always pretty sound, and they're always one of the best teams defensively when it comes to giving up scoring chances and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, when, when Bill called, it just kind of seemed like a, a no brainer. And I think I was one of the first goalies off the board in free agency. And obviously I was excited about that, but to, to land on a team like this, it's always known for his defensive prowess and, um, the defensive core that they have to go along with some of the, you know, you know, when Kaprizov comes in and some of the offensive firepower that they bring into it's, uh, it's obviously a, a pretty simple decision when it comes to free agency, when a team like that comes calling. Top six changed a little bit uh, in the offseason. We had the, the buyout of Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi. Now, that said, it, it does feel like philosophically this has always been a, a team that has put a lot of stake in defense. Is that just, you know, like you said, that was a big factor in making that decision. And, it, you know, it does seem like different teams for whatever reason. Like I think, you know, Edmonton, where you played for a long time, has struggled sometimes to find that goalie consistency. And maybe it's because, you know, you played well there, but, Maybe is it, you know, are some teams just known for not having as much of an emphasis on that side of the, on that side of the ice and, and that, you know, that can influence a lot of uh, the way an organization goes and, and decisions you want to make. Yeah. I think if you have the, the blueprint for, um, you know, for a defensive minded team like that, I mean, this team obviously has it. And the, the best part about our team is, is we're a defensive first minded team, but once when you defend really well, we still get our offensive chances. I mean, that's just how we play and that's our mindset. So we always know that we need to take care of our neutral zone and our zone first and our chances are going to come, whether it be off the rush or, or in zone or by drawing a big power play and, and uh, getting a big one there. So um, I think it's just the, the mindset of the team and the, and the core group of guys that kind of lead out there and, 
if everyone's buying in and all the leaders are buying in then the young guys that are coming in and the new guys that, that are coming into a system like that too, it's just, um, you know, they see other guys doing it and it just kind of, they just kind of roll into it too. So, um, it's nice to see that the new guys haven't really missed a beat and, um, you know, we've been pretty, pretty sound other than a few bad bounces the other night. So, I mean, I uh, give the new guys credit for stepping in and, and, uh, you know, really taking, taking in the systems and stuff like that during training camp and being ready once the season started, it's not an easy job to do, but, uh, the guys bought in really well. Enjoying this conversation with Cam Talbot, <clears throat> wild goalie, just a couple more things. I just want to ask you about your journey to the NHL, um, Alabama Huntsville, you, you, know, you played really well there in college, but maybe not, you know, a program that has developed a ton of NHL talent. Just maybe walk me through like how you got from, you know, where you were, you know, growing up playing in Canada to through that path to the NHL. How much time do we have? I mean, <laughs> as much as you, I mean, it's, we got, it's, it's the, in, the internet, the, the podcast here is a, is an unlimited space. So give, give me what you got. It's just, it's, you know, it was a long journey. Let's put it, let's start with that. I mean, I, I grew up playing uh, AAA in, in Stony Creek and then moved and played junior C in Caledonia, my hometown. And, um, you know, made junior A from there and ended up getting a scholarship to, to Alabama. And they, uh, they had a goalie decommit in the middle of a middle of June, I believe. So they were scrambling for a goalie and, and they called me and I went down for a fly down on a visit and, um, love the campus, small campus, but, uh, all the guys kind of lived in, in one dorm, which seemed kind of cool. You'd never, um, get a chance in, in junior A hockey in, in Ontario to, to be a part of a close knit group like that. So when you go down there and you see how close everybody is and stuff, it just seemed like a, a great spot to play. So yeah, I, I accepted the scholarship obviously and went down there and, and, uh, was lucky enough to sign a, a pro contract with the Rangers. So, uh, by, uh, went down to Hartford, kind of hold my game. I was nowhere ready to, to be in the NHL when, when I got there, but uh, I got to give uh, Benoit Lair, the goalie coach in, in New York, a ton of credit for that. I mean, working with him and, um, you know, being able to watch Lundquist night in and night out when I was uh, down in the minors there too. It's just, you, you try to pick up whatever you can from a guy like that. And then getting to learn from Benoit was, was uh, obviously a huge turning point in my career, I think. So, um, I'd have to, you know, that's probably the short answer of it. There's a lot more stuff that goes into it, but um, yeah, it was just one of those things where you go and you put your, you put your work in, put your time into the minors and you just kind of hope for the best and hope for an opportunity. And when that opportunity comes, you have to be ready. And, you know, some people don't ever get that opportunity. And I was lucky enough to get that and, and was able to take advantage. I have to imagine even with an, optimistic <clears throat> attitude and a lot of, you know, a strong worth at work ethic, which it sounds like you have, there must've been moments where you're like, is this as far as my journey is going to go, whether it's at the junior level, even at the college level, and then to get this far, as you think back on it, that's gotta be pretty satisfying to think I made it this far. This is unbelievable. There's still those pinch me moments. I'm not going to lie. Like it, this is my ninth season and I, I never take it for granted. I, maybe it's the the journey or the road that I took to get here. And obviously it wasn't an easy one. And like you said, I did have to put in a lot of work, but um, you know, I just, I wake up every day and um, you know, get to the rink, get back to work. I mean, it doesn't matter if you won the night before lost the night before. I mean, the work starts again and um, there's always someone coming to take your job. And I never, never take that for granted. I'm going to the rink every day to work hard and, and try to keep my position and, I try to be the best I can be for the guys in front of me. So um, it's just, 
like I said, probably a bit of the journey and the way that I got here that, um, you know, just makes it that much more satisfying, but still, there's still those moments and, um, guys that you grow up watching that you're playing against some nights and it's just, you know, still kind of surreal to me. Love that answer. Last question. I think goalies have this reputation for being a little bit eccentric, but you know, it, it feels like the more I talk to goalies, the more that's maybe a little bit overblown. And I don't think you are, are falling into that category. Is that overblown that these goalies are just kind of off, off in this kind of weird space, or is that an earned reputation for the goalie position at large? I feel like that might be overplayed a little bit. I feel like you get one or two guys that are seen in the media that way. And then we just kind of, everyone's kind of blanketed like that and we're all portrayed a little bit like that. But uh, yeah, I think for the most part, I mean, I've had some pretty normal goalie partners myself. I feel like I'm fairly normal for a goalie, but there are those guys out there that probably give us a little bit of that reputation, which you can kind of see like the breach gallows of the world and stuff like that. So, I mean, he's fun to listen to on a, on a podcast or interviews at the all-star games and stuff like that. He makes it entertaining for sure, but I definitely wouldn't, uh, wouldn't group a lot of goalies in that category. That's for sure. And we were treated to some of his whimsy for a little while here. And that was uh, definitely a, Definitely fun. Um, well, definitely fun catching up with you, Cam Talbot. Uh, best of luck the rest of the year. You've got a little downtime here, I believe. You guys don't play again till Saturday, right? Yeah, that's correct. So, so yeah, enjoy we'll take advantage it. of that. Some family yeah. time and get back at it. Yeah, enjoy. Yeah, it's right. Family time. You've got twins, right? They're four or five years old. They just turned five yesterday. Actually, the day oh, of the yesterday. Moment. Awesome. Yeah. I have a I have a four, almost five year old who will turn five in a few weeks. So. Uh, We've got three, but uh, you've got plenty busy if you've got twins. So enjoy some of that family time, and uh, we'll hopefully we'll catch up again down the road, Cam. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Love that conversation with Cam Talbot. I did not tell him that I was skeptical of the signing uh, a year ago when the Wild brought him in. Um, I quickly came around on that. He's been very good. Um, and I, I liked how he was a little bit self-deprecating, too, about, you know, didn't have the greatest game the other night when the Wild won 6-5 over Winnipeg, but... You know, there's going to be nights like that. Goalies have to be resilient, and he is the picture of resilience at that position. New segment alert here on Daily Delivery, something I call voicemails. Going to do it with uh, listeners, going to do it with some of our uh, our beat writers from time to time, just kind of having them drop me a message with uh, some thoughts that they have. It's like an easier way than just doing an entire big segment, can get some short bursts. And I got one from John Marthaler friend of mine who I've had on the show when he's covered Minnesota United. So I'm going to play that for you right now. Hey, Mike, this is for your voicemails feature on the podcast. I just wanted to say thanks for having almost two minutes of Minnesota United FC talk every week on the podcast. And ultimately, I just think it's a shame that the United States government put a time limit on these podcasts. And so you weren't able to quite fit in any time for a team that has five games left in their playoff chase. I just, I don't, I don't like that rule. And I wish that someone would do something about it. Now, you know, he's being sarcastic. John likes to get on me, and, and rightfully so. I probably have not talked enough Minnesota United soccer this season. They don't get to, they don't get front brain enough for me, and I, I get runaway, you know, kind of tunnel vision with Vikings, Twins, Wolves, you know, wild sometimes. So, you know, it's important to remember that. Um, I, I enjoyed that. That said, we are going to talk Loons right now because they won three to two, and we are going to have. Jerry Zagoda, I think, on a show early next week. So, uh, you know, jokes on John. Going to have a lot of Minnesota United content coming up, although I haven't asked Jerry yet, so maybe the joke's on me. 
Loons rally for a 3-2 win over Philadelphia. It looked like it was going to be a big disappointment because that was a game they had to have. Philadelphia's a good team, by the way. They, they're they top four team in the East, but uh, Loons had to have that one for the standings. Basically, they if they lose that one, they're kind of clinging to a, to the bottom part of the, 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 the playoff race in the Western Conference. As it is, they're still... You know, it's still nothing is decided, but with four matches left, they are in the number six spot in a league where seven teams make it. Um, <clears throat> in in range of getting to the teams above them still as well, LA Galaxy, 45 points, just one above them. Portland, 46 points, just one above them, or two above, the, two above Minnesota, one above the Galaxy. So, you know, but right below them, Vancouver in the seventh spot, 43, Real Salt Lake, 42, LAFC, who the who the... Loons play here in just a few days at 40, so you know nothing to be taken for granted. That said, big win in this one, and um, you know not surprisingly, it was uh, you know, it was it was, the, it was their big time players that got it done. Reynoso had had a couple of beautiful setups, and they just managed to rally when when they needed to the most, and and they pull out that three two win. So you know stylistically, they probably might have liked to. To clean some things up, they had a one nothing lead that became a two one deficit. Shouldn't have had to scramble quite that much. Shouldn't have, you know, lost their composure at the end. Had to play a man down. But you know, not every game is going to be a work of art, as we've seen during this Minnesota sports team's winning streak. Sometimes you just have to get the win, and that is what Minnesota United did on Wednesday at Allianz Field. Let's finish with the cooler. Eddie Rosario, four more hits for Atlanta, two home runs. He has been on a tear this postseason. Not a surprise to anybody who watched him in the playoffs with the Twins, particularly against the Yankees. Not a surprise to to anyone who's watched him in big moments. The Twins missed him this year. You can't convince me otherwise, and he is showing exactly why this postseason. That will do it for me today. Good stuff coming up Friday. Should have Mark Craig on the show for his NFL picks. Hoping to talk some Gophers hockey as well. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll get you again on Friday.